Welcome to Putting the Real in Real Estate, the podcast about all things real estate, all things local, and all things life, where we hope to inform, entertain, and inspire. What's up, everybody? Thank you for joining us today. Welcome in to episode 14 of Putting the Real in Real Estate. As always, I'm your host, Glenn Hawker-Smith, and I want to thank you for taking the time to join us today. Uh, there's all kinds of crazy stuff going on in the world, and we will touch on that just a little bit with our guest today, but we're going to talk to him about his new book and how he got into real estate and how he quickly became successful and maybe even share some ways that he can help you do the same. So we're going to get right to it. All right, joining me today is Dan Roshan. Dan is an associate broker in Virginia and Maryland, co-owner of the Greetings Virginia Real Estate Sales Network with his wife, Tracy, and a real estate principals instructor at Mosley Real Estate Schools. Dan and Tracy have been featured in the Nightly News with Brian Williams, the Today Show, CNBC, the Washington Post, and the Washington Examiner. Dan is the author of Real Estate Evolution, the 10-step guide to CPI for real estate agents. He's a coach and mentor who, along with his team, has sold over $37 million in real estate in the last 12 months. Dan is a veteran of the United States Army, and when he isn't busy being a real estate rock star, enjoys spending time with his family, doing improv, and competing in triathlons. Dan, thank you for your service, and welcome to the podcast. You're welcome. Thanks for welcoming me, Guy. I appreciate you being here. Um, that's that's quite an impressive resume you have there, and there's you a know lot what's of more impressive than that resume. What's that? The way that your voice just went from Louisville to DJ <laughs> in like two <laughs> seconds between our intro, you know, like our pregame, and, and, and man, it's just like boom in a second. That was impressive. My uh, my wife likes to likes to make fun of me for that all the time. So you'll you you'll notice as the interview goes on, I'll kind of revert back. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. So, uh, <laughs> you kind of, you, you threw me off there. So, but That's first, right. there's a lot of things I want to talk to you about, but first, how's the market in the DC, Maryland, Virginia area that you serve and, and how have you been affected if at all by the current state of affairs with not only the coronavirus, but also the, the civil unrest and, and yeah. all the rest that's going on in the world? Yeah. Well, civil unrest, um, has an impact on the real estate market yet it is very real in our market uh, or our area and you know here i am i'm a white guy in my late 40s and um honestly in regards to that the only thing that i'm doing right now is just listening okay because i i cannot relate to some of the experiences for friends that i have and, and, and etc and so that's just something that i'm embracing like that with this is I can't make a judgment one way, the other way, whatever I can listen. And that's what the approach that I've been taking with that. Um, in regards to coronavirus, it impacted our, our real estate market by about 30% uh, through March, April, and May of 2020. At the beginning of June, 2020, I looked at my sales team. I said, Hey guys, buckle your seatbelts. The spring market just started. Uh, it's the first time I ever said that on June 1st. And, um, and it's been like that. Uh, and I'm expecting uh, from June, July, and August of 2020, I'm expecting for a very aggressive market because of the uh, pent up supply and demand uh, from what otherwise would have been an active uh, spring market. Yeah, sure. And that's kind of what we're experiencing here too. I know every state 
in localities different. I know right across the river from where I am in Kentucky, they're still, they're a little bit behind Indiana on, on releasing some of those restrictions. So things are, are really popping over here, especially right now. But, um, you know, going back to what you said about listening, I think that's a, that's just such an important piece of advice, not only in this case and in this situation, but in real estate, when you're dealing with your clients and any, any, you know, aspect of life. I think the more we can listen to others and understand, the better off we all are. Yeah, I think everybody, and that's true, like you said, I mean, um, one of the things that I write in my, in my book, Real Estate Evolution, uh, as I talk about, uh, about as, a, as an agent, one of the, the keys to success is, in my opinion, is to be in rapport and then to actively listen and then to ask adept questions. And I think that's a strategy, whether if you're talking about real estate sales, relationship, racial tension, uh, whatever the case may be, it's a, I think that is a recipe for success. And it's not necessarily to say that I'm going to agree with you or her or whoever. That's not necessary. Um, going into a relationship with an open mind, uh, going into a challenge with an open mind, and then seeking to understand what the other perspective is, I believe that that is the recipe to success and in really actually openly listening, right? And that's different than like, okay, I'm going to shut up and you're going to talk and then I'm going to talk, uh, which is, I think, more of our default. Um, and that's, you know, something that I encourage for others to embrace as well. Yeah, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly on that. And it's not an easy thing to do. Um, I've learned just from from doing this podcast, you know, you you it's hard to listen to someone's answer and really take it into consideration and not be thinking about what you're going to say next, what you're going to ask next, especially in this, in the, in this environment where, you know, I'm doing a show. I want to make it interesting. I want to keep the conversation going. It's, it's really hard. You, you've got to be really conscious about it. And, and I think that translates over to, to any conversation that you have with anyone throughout the day. And we can only all be better off that way. Once you once you shut down and, and you and you're not open to listening to someone, even if you disagree with them, you quit learning. And that's not a good thing in life. Yeah, I, I believe that everybody's perspective is true. It's true to them. Okay. That doesn't mean, you know, and that's true based off of their experience. Uh, that's true based off of their perceptions, the way that they interpret the world. Okay. So that doesn't make one truth you know, valid and the other truth invalid. It just means that there's different ways. Like we can all approach the world in a different way based off of our experiences. And then the way that we interpret those experiences. Um, and then again, you know, like I say, so that's a useful tool to, to use when you're working with your clients. Uh, because, you know, I know with 13 years ago when I started real estate sales, I think the first thing I heard was buyers are liars. And, you know, that's something that I've never embraced, right? Not even then. Uh, you know, and it's just interesting to sit there and say, okay, hey, here's here's a perception that you could um, uh, that you could take, and you know, if you're a real estate agent, that's the perception you take. Great, no worries. Uh, I'm going to choose to take a different perspective. Sure, I, I I share that experience when I got in. That's one of the things I heard first, and I thought, like my gosh, what isn't that? What a cynical <laughs> outlook. <Yeah. laughs> I thought, am I going to be like that in five or six years? Am I am I going to be that cynical? And you know, so far not. Hopefully. <laughs> Hopefully I remain that way. You so. got time. You can get there. <laughs> so you mentioned, you mentioned when you got into the business and that was yeah. in 
2007, I believe. That was kind of right during the recession, right before the, the, the crash of 08. A year and a half later, you bought the brokerage that you worked for. So kind of tell us how that happened so quickly and just kind of tell your story, like your journey from from being a waiter. I think you told me you were a waiter and kind of struggling with alcoholism to getting into real estate and, and becoming a broker owner of your own company. Yeah, I think you have to take a look. So I was a waiter at a really high-end uh, steakhouse in Washington, D.C. in the early 2000s, and uh, and I was an active alcoholic. And during that time period, I, you know, I wanted to, you know, I had this, like this, this struggle of wanting, like every morning I would wake up and I would iterate, this is, I'm not going to drink today. I'm not going to drink today. I'm not going to drink today. And, uh, you know, I, I would probably never even believe it um, until the last time that I woke up. And the last time I woke up, I remember I was balled up in a, uh, you know, on the, on the floor of my townhome, dry heaved and already vomited and just pounding headache, just reverberating, dehydrated and kidneys piercing. And I was like, okay, I have a choice here. I'm either going to die or I'm going to change my life. And in that moment, I made a decision to change my life. And as a part of that, then fast forward a few months from that uh, journey, and I, that was the last time I drank and I uh, went to rehab and all that type of stuff. But fast forward from that, you know, I'm still waiting tables. I'm still hustling. I'm still working 14 hours a day. And again, this is a really high-end steakhouse. This is one of the places that all the, you know, you would see the talking heads on the TV that would be spitting insults at each other. And the night before they were cordially dining together at the same dining table. It was crazy, you know? And um, so anyway, so I still knew that I wanted to be an entrepreneur. I wanted to help people. I wanted to help people solve their problems, achieve their goals. And um, I just didn't know the way. And so, you know, I was looking at different uh, business opportunities. I finally found real estate sales and I got my license, you know, and uh, that was the beginning of it. Then you know, uh, that was, uh, uh, November, 2007. And I didn't have my first close until April, 2008. So it was six months later. And candidly, I was getting ready to pay my mortgage on my credit card, right? Like I'm, you know, I'm hustling, I'm hustling, hustling. I'm looking at my broker. I'm like, look, I'm doing everything you're telling me to do. It don't, it doesn't seem like I should be eating ramen right now. Right. Okay? Cause I've worked in the hard <laughs> side for work in my life. And she gave me some coaching. You know, she told me, she said, Dan, you have to focus on systems. System, system, systems. And we, at that point, I sat down with our broker and we devised some systems or they were already devised. She just really taught them to me. And I implemented those systems. And then over that year, now it's a short sale market. I was very successful in my first year of business, which allowed for me to initially invest into the brokerage as a, about a 20% owner. And then the other owners actually asked for me to, uh, to run it shortly after that. And I sold it about a year and a half ago and was the majority owner. And, um, I think I owned like 70% of the brokerage when I sold it, something like that. Um, and, um, was able to, you know, rediscover a new journey about a year and a half ago. Yeah, that's interesting. This is a business that is very tough and I, I experienced kind of the same thing. I started in November of 2017 and didn't have my first closing until March and well, same. Yeah. But I, I, you know, you I planned for that. I, I planned <laughs> for that. And I think that's, that led to my success in the first couple of years is, is knowing that that's the way it was going to be planning for it, having those reserves built up 
I think that's why a lot of new agents fail is because they don't prepare or they don't even know to prepare. Yeah. And I think you have to over-prepare because I thought I had enough money. I thought I had a year savings. And what I realized was I only had six months of savings. <laughs> right. Right. You know, because the money went faster than what I thought it would. Sure. When, when, you know, when you turn off the spigot of income, then it's like, okay, um, oh, geez, the world actually is more expensive than I thought. Yeah, you start getting a little nervous when you see that number steadily decreasing and not going up. <laughs> like, at least staying, like, staying back. <laughs> right, at right? least staying level. So, yeah, yeah and you, you, know, you, you talked about your rock bottom that you hit before you turned around. And I was just speaking with someone else the other day who's going through some things, and I was telling him, hey, rock bottom for, for one person could be here. It doesn't have to be here for you. It can be here. Rock bottom yeah. is just where you make that decision to turn things around and you start going the other direction. So if there's anyone listening out there right now who, you know, if, if you're already an agent and you're struggling and you're, and you've got some things going on in your life, or if you're thinking it, it I don't care if you're in real estate or not, wherever you are in life, if you're at that point, you can turn it around. I don't care how old you are. How old were you at this point? When oh, I was, uh, early thirties. So I was probably um, 40. Yeah. It was probably like uh 32, 33. So it's never too late. Yeah. It's and that's, you know, if you look at that, you can, that's an age is an interesting age because it's all perspective, right? Sure. For a young person, you look at 32, you think, man, that's old, right? Uh, yeah. You know, wait till you get to 47, right? <laughs> yeah. And then I look back, I'm like, what just happened? Right. <laughs> I feel like I got into real estate late. You know, I'm, I'm 44. I'll be 45 in July, but really. So how old were you? So it, you're about 34, about how old were you? Oh, I just, I started in 2017. So I was what, 40, 41, 42. Um, okay. and I quickly realized I'm kind of a young guy in real estate. I think the average age is 50 to 55. Yeah, but that's Glenn, that's an opportunity because they'll all be gone and you'll you know you'll still be thriving, right? So that's sure. you know, yeah, you're good. <laughs> I figure I've got a good you know 20, 25 years left to, to really hit it hard, and that's a good thing about real estate. You can do it up into your to your later years and do as much as you want. So and you do some coaching, right? I do, yes. So how'd you get into coaching? Was it just a natural progression of of owning your own brokerage, or is it something that you just have a passion for? Uh, I'd have to say yes to both those questions. It was a natural progression for me. It, you know, I've been able to coach new agents. Uh, I've been able to coach aspiring rainmakers, top producers. I've been able to help others develop really massive sales teams. You know, so I've had the advantage. You know, if you look at a sales business, for example, there's really three components to it. So the first component would be lead generation. That's typically what a newer agent is going to have to focus on. And may, for many agents, that's where they'll, you know, they'll either sort of stay there or maybe they never figure that out. For some, then the next level would be organization building. And for oftentimes, that's for those aspiring rainmakers. And then there's leadership. Um, and so it, and it, it goes in that order. Um, and, and when you're at that, you know, the higher of those three levels, that doesn't take, you know, you still have to uh, do the other two. And so to answer your question, I really started in real estate sales. When we, when I bought the brokerage, you know, a, a lot of times, you know, I would have other agents that I would be coaching. I've probably taught maybe 250 plus agents to get the real estate license. So 
So I've even taught people even before they're an agent to sort of set them up for success. And it was just a natural evolution. I didn't plan to start a coaching company. I, I, when I sold the brokerage, I, uh, I started to write the book and I did that because a mentor had basically for him to agree to mentor me, I had to agree to document the immense knowledge that I had in the industry and share it with others. That was, that was the agreement. And at first I thought it was going to be like a series of eBooks. And then I realized about three, four months into it, I'm like, Oh my goodness. Like, this is something that's like, for me to actually complete this is going to be relatively substantial. Mm-hmm. And, you know, 90,000 words later, you know, here I have this, this, the documentation of a journey, which basically shows the real estate agents exactly how, whether they're at that lead generation or the organization building or the leadership, exactly how to take action in whatever area that they're in. I share about my journey, about my life. And I share about a lot about personal development because honestly, before the lead generation, there's a foundation below that which is being the very best version of yourself that's possible. And give, you know, I give certain, I give specific hacks of here is how you can optimize yourself as an individual. So let's get into the book a little bit more. Um, you, you kind of answered one of my questions already on, on the why you wrote the book. So the title is Real Estate Evolution, The 10-Step Guide to CPI. What is CPI? Tell people what that is. What's that mean? Consistent, consistent, predictable income. And so as I was writing, I didn't, I didn't have the title to the book when I was writing. I didn't know what I was writing. And when I was writing, people would say, when are you going to be finished? I'm like, I don't know. I'll be finished when I'm finished. And as I got towards the end of it, I realized that the story that I was telling was really to be able to solve that problem that many, many agents have, which is, I do a closing today or maybe two and then I'm really psyched. I'm really, ah, man, that's freaking awesome. And then I realize, Oh crap. I didn't, I don't have any other business. Right. And so then I got to go back to finding business three months later, the cycle continues. And so what I realized is like the biggest challenge that the agents have is that inconsistency. Right. And just sitting, sitting there thinking like, I'm really excited. I just had some closings. And then 90 days from now, it's like, okay, well, I still have some money in the bank and I got these clients and I'm working with them and I hope they go to closing. Right. And that's a really like, that's an anxious place to be, right? Like you don't want to be there as an agent. Right. And so that's, you know, so that's when I looked at the book and that's where the title came from uh, CPI, which is consistent, predictable income, which are the systems that have allowed for me for the last 129 months to have one to 15 closings every single month month after month after month, you know, really consistent, predictable business. Sure. And I think you're right. That is, I would say the, the biggest struggle I've had in the business is just getting used to that emotional roller coaster, yeah, you know, it's it, for closing and, and, and closing, you know, falls out. Boom. I mean, that's a gut check, right? Yeah. You know? That's uh, I've always been a very steady person. I don't get too high. I don't get too low. And it's, it's been a, it's been a big adjustment to to yeah. go through those ups and downs and on one hand i think that's kind of what keeps it exciting and new is you don't get bored that's for sure right well it is always exciting and new, <laughs> for sure as well. but yes you want you want that consistency and i think that's that's the biggest struggle for any agent uh, whether you've been in the business for a year or, or 20 years i think we owe it to our clients to have that consistency as well right because if you consider it if you're more concerned about paying your mortgage or your rent 
than you are about having a fiduciary care for your clients and looking out for their best interests and consulting and guiding them, you're not doing a good job. Yeah. I think they right? call and that so, commission breath, right? Well, yeah. I mean, in, 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 in exactly. So it's not going to actually help you because everyone can smell that commission breath and you're not going to be doing a service to your clients. Right. And that's where, you know, I teach, I say, listen, lead generation is the foundation of a business. Like you are in a lead generation business. And then the common objection to that is like, no, servicing clients is more important. Yes, servicing clients is more important, yet you have to focus on the lead generation first so that you can be free to give a high level of service because you have certainty that you're going to be able to, you know, pay your bills moving forward. Sure. You get, you have to have clients to service. Absolutely. Yeah. And if you don't have certainty that you've got clients, then you're going to be, you know, that's going to be, um, that's going to really, you know, you're going to really be anxious about that. Right. And, and that's dangerous. I mean, that's just reality of it. Sure. And it's not getting any easier either. It, uh, something that really surprised me the other day, I expected what we've been going through to kind of weed out some of some of the the agents. And I read an article the other day that says the new agents, the numbers are up. I guess people are getting laid off and they're saying, well, I guess I'll get hey, my real estate license job, and sell right? real estate. Yeah. <laughs> so it, there's, there's always more competition. There's always competition from the Zillows of the world who are trying to get into buying and selling now. And so there's always someone out there looking to replace you. So you've got to stay on top of your game. Well, you talk about the Zillows of the world, right? That's a piece of, uh, so where we are, and that's not just real estate sales. Okay, so when you're looking at the things that have already impacted our business is, is technology, artificial intelligence, commoditization, and uh, big data. Okay, that's already there. The reality of it is, however, is that the majority of real estate agents don't even realize that that is, that is what we are. That's our competition there. You and I, if we were in the same marketplace, we're not competition. Okay, in the D.C. metro area, you know, it, there's so much abundance and I'm sure it's like that in the Louisville area as well. There's just so many people to be able to help. Even if you had just a fraction of the market share, you know, you're still, you know, be able to generate a really, really good business for you. So it's those technology, big data, artificial intelligence and commoditization. That is where the, um, that's where the battle is. Yeah. And I think it also, it's figuring out, okay, how can I leverage those things in my business to, help me because you're not gonna, you're not gonna fight it. You're, it's a, no, it's a losing battle. You're not gonna stop it. Billions of dollars, you're not gonna win, right? Sure. So you gotta figure out how to, how to use it to your advantage and come from a, a mindset of abundance, like you said. So let me ask you, what would you tell a struggling agent or someone who's new or just considering getting into the business now? If you, if you had one piece of advice for them other than, you know, Hey, check out my book. What, <laughs> what would that be? Believe in you. That would be it. Uh, it's, it's, you, you know, we, we, we already touched on this. You're not too old. You're not too young. You're not too shy, too bold, too whatever. Believe in you. And when you believe, then you could be able to take the actions, right? Because a lot of, a lot of people focus on the actions. And I, and I know that focusing on the actions is a step, you know, it's a step too far uh, because first you have to believe in yourself and you have to uh, not only believe in yourself, but also believe in the relationships that you have, believe in whatever relationship that you have spiritually, 
believe in regards to like your physical well-being. And if you can believe it's, it's for me, it's like if, if anybody else in this world can do it, then that check it off. That's a yes. It can be done. And so for me, it's just fall again. It goes back to the systems. Well, one of the systems is, is when I'm intending to figure out what to do, the first thing that I do is I just, I just look at other people and I say, okay, what did they do? And then it's just, if yes, then how? That's the, that's the concept there, right? So if this can be done, yes. If this can be done, then all I need to do is figure out how. Well, guess what? How's already figured out for you? Because then all you have to do is figure out whoever answered that question yes to whatever it is that you intend to do, what did they do? Okay, so then that's the action. Then you just have to believe in you, and that's, that is the advice, that you can do that same action. Because when you do that same action, you'll have a similar result. Yeah, that's a great mindset to have. guess I've never really thought of it in that term. Hey, if, if someone else has already done it, I can do it. And that makes perfect sense. It takes a it lot of done. excuses out of your yeah. pocket, doesn't it? Uh, yeah, absolutely. If someone else has done it, it can be done. Right? And, you know, now there's a lot of butts that can follow that. But he had this. He, she had this. You know, he was born a millionaire. Whatever, whatever, whatever. You know, I was sitting, um, was sitting across the table at lunch about two years ago from a multimillionaire, and he was a second-generation multimillionaire. And I remember looking across the table, and somehow or another, it just struck my mind when we were talking, and I just started laughing. And we were talking about finances and business and stuff. And he says, what? I said, look, man, I said, you're sort of screwed. And he says, well, why am I screwed? I said, because you started with $10 million, I started with zero. Worst case that I get is I go, you know, I get lessons there when I file bankrupt. Guess what? You got 10 million to lose. Sure. <laughs> right. So that's just a perspective. You know, I, I've had this conversation with people before where they're, you know, talking about someone who grew up privileged or inherited a bunch of money. And there, there's always that, well, he, you know, he started on third base and sure. he thinks he hit a home run. And I, I get that. But honestly, I, I feel like it's more of a challenge to, to stay there than it is to get there sometimes, especially if you were born in a privileged situation and you do have the means already, you didn't learn how to obtain those means. You didn't go through the struggle. So you don't know what it's like on the other side. Yeah. So I, I give just as much credit to anyone who, who may have been born into it and, and is able to not only retain what they have, but build upon it. Yeah, you know, it's all we all have our own journeys in life and we all have different starting points. Sure. And so just understanding what is your starting point and then again, you can you can use that same question. Has any you know, if you want to really truly break it down, instead of looking at that person that started in this case 10 million, right? Now I'm just, you know, well, I don't know what his number is, right? But whatever. So instead of looking at that, you can look at well, has there ever been anybody else that started at zero? You go back to the racial thing. Has there any, ever been another person that's been a white American? I forget this, right? Talk about privilege. Has there ever been a white American male that started at zero and had success in business? Boy, you could come up with tons of yeses to that. Okay, so then you sit there and say, well, what did they do? Because if they could do it, I can do it. Okay, and if you, you, know, if you fit that demographic that I fit, and it, it looks like that you fit as well, Glenn, then... You know, like there's 
you know, there's a lot of things that you could sit there and say, Hey, there's a, it's something inhibiting me to, to, you know, but you've got every opportunity in the world. You and I both do. Yeah. It's all about mindset. And I've got a friend who, who is a coach and she calls it the, the inner work. And that kind of goes back to what you were saying. You got to start with yourself. Once you get yourself right, there's no, you know, there's no telling what you can do, it, it, regardless of what you're setting out to do, whether it's real estate or, or any other business. Or just even as an employee or, or partner or whatever it is, or housewife or house husband or whatever it yeah. is, dad, or father. mom, yeah. you know, it doesn't matter. You know, it's, there is no success, you know, in, in life, you know, success for me is just, are you living the greatest version of yourself? Are you enjoying the journey? Right. It's not like, it's not a destination. Okay. Because if we get all wrapped up into the destination, guess what? You're never going to reach it because when you get there, what's next, right? There's going to be another destination in front of it, hopefully, you know, and then, and then you're never going to finish. And are you reaching your potential? Well, who knows? You'll never know if you're reaching your potential. And the re reality of it is, is you're never reaching your potential because there's always something new to learn. Sure. And people who listen to this podcast probably get sick of me saying this, but I always say time is our most precious and valuable commodity. You know, it's the one thing that you can never get more of and you don't know how much you have. So yeah. spend that time wisely and it's, it's easier said than done. We all waste time. You know, you, you can catch yourself wasting time. Scrolling through Facebook. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, but if you keep that mindset and just, I guess, have the goal of, of spending your time a little bit more wisely, then it's, it's definitely going to help. Yeah. And you know, just sort of chilling and wasting your time. There's nothing wrong with that either. It's about wasting your time and not being aware that you're wasting your time. Right. Like if you want to go down, a t you want to go tubing down a river and just sort of chill for a Sunday afternoon. That That's fan. That's like, that's actually like, I want to do that right now. Sure. Right. Like that's not very productive. That's, you know, and that's, but you're making the choice, right? There's a difference between making the choice to just, you know, um, be casual with the way you spend your time or just having that show up day to day and just, you know, living a life by default. Sure. There's a difference between, you know, sitting around the house watching TV because you have nothing else to do and doing it because you chose to do that. Hey, sure. today's my day. I'm taking for myself, which is, it's hard to do, especially in this business sometimes. But My mom, my mom was with us. Uh, we, we built her a property or a, a house on our property. And um, when she, when she first came to live with us, I would watch live PD at night. Right. And she was like, well, what are you watching this for? Right. I'm just like, I just got to like, I got a deep, deep pro. Like I get this stuff out of my head. Right. You know, like this is a choice and I'm sitting here for an hour at the end of the day, watching something that's, you know, you know, just whatever, just, I want to call it a waste of time. Right. I want to piss off the live PD <laughs> sure. producers. Right. But, uh, you know, just sort of idle time and, um, you know, it, it's it's making a choice to sit there and say, okay, I'm just going to chill, watch TV, veg out. But that's a choice. Sure. And that's what you choose. Some people may choose to to go and and gamble for 
an hour or two. It, 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 and that's fine too. You it, know, there's dangers with some of that though. <laughs> well, sure. Yeah. It's, it, I'm not a gambler, but I know people like to do it. And as long as you have the means to do it and you're not gambling away your, uh, your mortgage payment or your, your kid's college fund, um, you know, what's the difference between that and someone who likes to go out and spend $200 on a really nice meal? Yeah. It, yeah. I mean, I treat gambling like entertainment, but I feel like I got $200 and I can go for a nice meal with this, or I can lose it gambling. And, I, and listen to what I just said. I can lose it gambling. Okay? So then if I win, <laughs> now I don't intend to lose it, right? If yeah, I win, yeah. fantastic, right? <laughs> but if I lose it, then that's it. I've spent my $200 on my dinner, and hopefully it lasts to be more than 30 minutes. And <laughs> Right. I have I have no idea how we got on gambling. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Well, there's something I wanted to I wanted to ask you about. I, I I was stalking your your website in preparation for this podcast, and uh, I saw that uh, you're a certified practitioner in the art of art and science of humanistic neurolinguistic psychology and neurolinguistic programming. That's a mouthful. Yeah, I'm gonna say man, uh, say that fast. Yeah, fast. So tell me a little bit about that, and tell me how that applies to real estate. So, um, so what that is, it's uh, the easiest way to say that in layman's terms is the, is the study of subjective experience. And so when you look at the difference between subjective and objective, objective is something that can be measured. It's certain. You know, you and I are having a conversation. That's an objective observation. Subjective can be, uh, can be what somebody may be interpreting this conversation as. Okay, and, and, and certainly there could be somebody, and I can promise you right now, if somebody's listening to my words and they're saying, that guy's an idiot, okay? And then somebody else is listening to my words right now and your words are words, and they're saying, oh my goodness, like this is something that's gonna be impactful to help impact my life and change my life, okay? Um, and that guy that thinks I'm an idiot, hey, whatever. <laughs> You're wrong, but no, that's just joking. <laughs> All right, so, uh, so, that's, so that's, what the, uh, that's what that is, the NLP and the, and the um, hypnosis and, and so it's about having that subjective experience how can that translate to real estate sales is it really it just translates to life okay because if you look at in real estate sales our toolbox is our mind it's our knowledge that's our toolbox that's what we that's what we get paid for uh, for some of us like myself it's our experience for others that don't have that experience yet that's okay because then it's it's finding other people's experience and being wise enough to uh, to learn from that. So th that's if that's our toolbox and our methodology of delivering the uh, uh, delivering the the, the the tools is through our communication. So when you're looking at communication, which is again the study of NLP, is uh, to be able to understand that communication is more than just words. In fact, words is a very, very small amount of communication. Okay, it's 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 the way that we say our words, it's the tonality, the inflection, it's the looking at eyes. You know, you and I can be talking about something, and I can say, "Hey, Glenn, did you understand that?" And you could say yes, but I, if I'm really paying attention, and if I'm really in rapport with you, and I'm really intentional about making sure that the communication is understood, then. I'm not as concerned about your words as I am about your energy, about the way that you're communicating with me. And as a salesperson, you say something, they say yes, 
And you know, if you're um, um, aware enough to know that that yes is not indeed a yes, you can stop and you can backtrack say, Glenn, I heard you say yes. I have a feeling that there may be something else that might be a concern to you. Is there something else that might be a concern to you? And so really, truly, true, and um, intending to understand your perspective, and when I can understand that, I can be able to help you more so. And that's how it helps in real estate. So. Yeah, that's that's cool. I, that, I'm, I've always been into psychology, and, and psychology really plays a lot when you're dealing with people in general, but especially when you're dealing with, with clients who, you know, this is the biggest, biggest investment they've ever made or they're probably ever going to make. And, and you've really got to be in touch with what their, what their motivating factors are, what their concerns are, what are their fears? Because fear is really uh, a huge factor. Nobody's ever contacting a real estate agent without apprehension, without anxiety. You're either getting married, you're getting divorced, your kids are going to college, you just got, you know, wife just got pregnant or you just got pregnant, job relocation, whatever the case may be, I want to have better schools for my kids. Whatever it is, if you look at that uh, upsize, downsize, there's always a huge emotional uh, journey that the buyers and sellers are going through. And so when you can understand that, and just like what you said, fear, I mean, the motivating factors are fear and greed primarily. Uh, at least in real estate sales, those are the motivating factors that we should be paying attention to. There's other there's other motivating factors like sex and food and, and, and water and all that and shelter, right? But that's not, except for the shelter, which is sort of a different perspective on it. That's not what we're talking about when we're you know working with our clients. It's about that fear and greed, and mostly it's the fear. Yeah, that's that's really interesting. And that's if you can help someone overcome that fear, then then you can you can do a lot. My daughter, um, we were at this uh, we were at this resort in uh, Punta Cana when she was about six years old. She's nine now, and uh, they it's where the Circus de Soleil practice, and it's sort of like their farm team. So there's a there's a farm team in Louisville, isn't there? I forget. Uh, isn't there like a farm baseball team. Yeah, there? yeah, the Louisville. Oh my gosh, I'm blanking. <laughs> the Louisville Bats. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. All right. <laughs> been about 20 years since I've been around right. parts, right? So, um, so anyway, so this is the B team uh, for Cirque du Soleil. And my daughter at the time, six years old, I remember they um, had this flying trapeze. And she starts climbing up the ladder of the flying trapeze. She gets about three quarters up and she's like, uh-uh, nope. She comes back down. So I went over to her. I whispered some things and some encouragement in her ear. She got the, she got the curse. She went back up. She swings down the trapeze. Woo, right? And she freaking loves it. She comes down and it's just like, Joy, she wants to go back up, right? Well, before she went back up, I said, okay, honey. I said, let me ask you a question. I said, the first time you went up that ladder, what were you, what were you feeling? She's like, Daddy, I was scared. I said, okay, and, 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 you, and what did you do? She's like, well, I went up a second time and I went down. And, you know, these are my words. It's freaking awesome, right? She didn't say it was freaking awesome, right? But right. She said in her Maggie words that was freaking awesome, right? And uh, I was like, okay, great. So you were afraid. And you did it anywhere, anyways. And on the other side of that was joy. And so that I, I saw that as a dad lesson, right? Or as a, a lesson that I, as a dad, I could share with my daughter. And, um, you know, that's my perception on fear. It's not, we all have fear. And sometimes that fear is going to keep us safe and it's appropriate. 
And sometimes that fear is just unreasonable fear that's going to stop us from taking action. And so if you can understand that as a real estate agent, that your job is to guide and consult your clients through that fear, well, the starting point is understand they have the fear. And I think too few of agents actually even take the time to understand that and then truly understand what is it that you're afraid of? What is it that you intend to have? Then now I can guide you in a better process. Very true. And that applies to, you know, I look back when I got in, made the decision to get into real estate. I was a, I was a contractor for FedEx ground for 18 years and it was, it was, it was good to me, but it was never, that's not what I wanted to do. You know, I always felt like I had one foot out the door, but I just didn't know. You weren't living your life. Yeah, I wasn't. I didn't know what to do or how to do it. You were destined for. Sure. And, and not only fear, but the, the comfort. There was comfort knowing that, hey, I have job security here. I know exactly what I'm going to get paid for the most part. And I was miserable, but I wouldn't take, just wouldn't take that step, wouldn't take that step out. And finally, it got to the point where some other issues came into play and it just came to be the right time. And I just made that decision. Hey, I got to take a step. I'm a religious guy. I believe in God. And I, I would, I would ask God to open a door for me, show me the way, show me which door to go through. And then one day I was in the shower and I thought, you know, I keep asking him to show me something. Maybe he's waiting for me to show him something. <laughs> and so that's what it was. I said, you know what? I'm going to make this, this decision. I'm going to step out and see what happens. And it was the greatest thing I've ever done so far. Now, so that was your epiphany in the shower. Yeah. That was that. That was actually God talking to you, by the way, right? Sure. You know, yeah. Saying, "Hey, look, we got the we have to transition this conversation." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. And now, and now on the other side, that you know, greatest decision I ever made, right? Absolutely. Up yeah, till so now, I mean, ask me, ask me six months from now, I may tell you a different yeah, story. Right. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I'm kidding. So I, I mentioned your website earlier. Yeah. Um, I really like it. It's well structured. And I feel like it, it offers a lot of value to your visitors and clients and potential clients. So yeah, I can tell you've put a lot of time into that. One thing that really stuck out to me and that you're an investor as well, right? I am. Yes. I saw your property hunters section. Oh yeah. And I, I thought that was really cool because I'm a kind of a wannabe investor and the problem right now is to find, find properties. Right. So tell me a little bit about the property hunters um, program that you have on your website and kind of where you came up with that and and how that works. Uh, so what the, uh, so that's at the website, www.readingsvirginia.com, which is our consumer website for buyers and sellers. And so property hunters is one of the programs that we have where we, uh, we will pay for a bird dog basically to share a property address with us or something that's distressed, um, run down vacant, and then we'll take the we'll take the um, you know the energy of going to find the, the seller and negotiating with them to see if they want to sell the property. Um, so that's the tactic that we take with property hunters. Now, the other piece of this is as as an investor, when I go to list a, a property, the first thing in my mind is is this a good investment for me? Okay, like literally the house that I'm sitting in right now was a listing of mine. Okay. And I remember, um, I was training, uh, I was working with Oscar Rodriguez and he and I went on the listing appointment together 
and there's this beautiful land, right? And, and it was in the middle of a just beautiful area um, in Northern Virginia, which is so congested. Yet at the time, I wanted to have a lot of land. I wanted to be able to have a house that, you know, with the tree-lined streets and all that, or uh, driveway and all that. I remember driving up to this property. The the uh, the driveway was all you know jacked up and weeds were overgrown and evergreens were overgrown and we get inside the house and it just reeked of urine you know pet urine and the owner said there was like 17 dogs here and i think it was more like 87 dogs right well anyways um i did what i was supposed to do i took the listing we're driving away from the property and i look at oscar i'm like i don't know how i'm gonna sell this house and oscar just looked at me and he smiles he says dan that's your home I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> and I had to think about it for a day or so. And then the next day, I did the greatest sales uh, presentation of my life, which was I sold my wife <laughs> on <laughs> this being our dream home because at the time it looked more like the Adams family home. Right. And uh, so we purchased the home. That was six or seven years ago. And we're still working on it. We're uh, pretty close to finish line now, but we've got most of, I mean, it is what I envisioned then. And there's still, you know, we still have a 19, I wish I could show you the, the master bathroom right now because it's, uh, it's got a, a wallpaper with the, with the uh, flowers and orange and orange and orange. Okay. Um, and it's pretty hideous. Um, You're not going to keep that? No. <laughs> <laughs> come on. It'll come back in style, right? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe four generations from now. <laughs> 1974. Brand new. <laughs> So we're, uh, I don't, I don't want to keep you too much longer. So we're going to kind of wind this down a little bit, but I wanted to ask you, you know, we're kind of, we're really in a time of transition and change in our industry and really in, in the world. So yeah. what do you, what do you think the future of real estate looks like? Not just in the next six to 12 months, but, but looking forward five, 10 years from now. Yeah. I think it's going to be the individual agents going to, going to struggle. I think that you're going to see those that thrive are going to be the ones that um, align themselves with a technology company or um, and or uh, align themselves with a, with a successful sales team, right? And so I think that that's really the pathway of our future um, because if you go back to, you know, when I started in real estate sales, you know, commissions, I wouldn't even blink at negotiating a commission, right? And now... Uh, you know, it's become more competitive, right? You know, it's, it's, you know, seeing commissions go downward. Well, that's commoditization, which is essentially commoditization is in the absence of a perceived value, the consumer will always go to the lowest price. Okay. So then when you have technology companies that are, um, uh, that have the mind share of the consumer and they're charging less money, well, guess what? You have two things there. You have one is the consumer believes that that's a greater, um, that that's greater value. That's a, that's incorrect, by the way. And two is because it's less money, they're willing to, they're, they're, they, that perceived value goes down. The reality of it is, is the real estate agents that embrace that technology, because this is a face-to-face -face business, right? That technology does not have the experience that I have uh, going back to that two days before closing and the underwriter is uh, is saying, hey, I can't approve the loan, even though we, we, you know, you thought you were clear to close, but you're not. They don't have the experience and the relationships to be able to, you know, understand how to consult the client and get it to the finish line. So I think, you know, you you fast forward, you know, five, three, five, seven years, 
I think that you're going to see that it's going to be a technology enhanced business. And those that, that uh, real estate agents that tie into that technology will be successful. Those that do not, um, they can still be successful, but it's going to be limited based off the relationships that they have. You know, it's just going to be, you know, because the relationships are strong, right? But, it, but you're not, you, you're going to be struggling to get past those relationships to be, continue to do business. It's, it's going to be more and more important that you are able to convey your value to your clients. And have the relationships, right? And sure. have the people to convey that value to. Sure. Right. Because if you look at those relationships, that's the moat around that. Uh, what I just described to you, that's the moat around that big data, that technology, that artificial intelligence, that commoditization. That's the moat around that. Right. Because then because I go on a listing appointment and it's somebody that already knows me and already knows how I'm going to be fiercely fighting for their interests and that I can be able to represent them in a, in a great fashion, then all that rest of that stuff goes away. Right. So it, it, it is down to the relationships to be able to protect against that. Sure. So let's uh, let's lighten it up a little bit here All right. for a second. So you, you are into a couple of things that I would absolutely never consider doing. One is okay. is you're a triathlete. So my question is, why on earth would you put your body through such torture? <laughs> I, uh, I shared with you earlier that I'm, uh, you know, is that if, uh, if yes, then how? And so I really take that to heart. And one of my role models that I um, intend to emulate is a triathlete and a, um, not only a tri um, uh, Ironman triathlete, right? And that's a whole different level of things, right? And so when I look at, um, when I look at success, for me, I really break it apart and say, if I can replicate that all the way down to the environment, all the way down to the, um, uh, you know, like right now I'm standing, right? This is the way, this is the way I, I've got a little pad underneath my feet here. I've been barefoot and actually I got this really nice jacket on, but I got the gym shorts on. Right. So now I'm telling myself, I got a cool jacket on. Right. And so, um, so anyway, so, so one of my mentors, one of my role models, he's a, he's a, um, Ironman triathlete. And I'm like, you know what, I'm going to do the same action as this guy does all the way down to the physicality of it. And I don't have the same results as him yet. And I'm on that journey to be able to get there. Well, that's cool. I tease you, but I, I, I admire your, your, uh, ability to do that and your um, swimming was the yeah. hard thing, man. Swimming because yeah. I never learned how to swim. I had to hire a coach to teach me how to how to do the. And I'm still struggling with the swim. But the you're doing it. The run is not too bad. The swimming that's where I struggle. Sure, but you're doing it, and that's the important thing, right? So the other thing is uh, improv. So you're <laughs> you do improv. Tell me how that came about. I would imagine that might help you in in real estate being able to think on your toes and yeah. and react which is something that i've never been super great at so um ryan seacrass is a real estate agent in new york city wrote a, a book uh sound like serhant i didn't say i think it's serhant yeah so and um he recommends in that book is to um is to do improv for real estate agents so same type of thing i read the book i said okay this guy's doing how, I don't know what his volume is, but it's big, right? Big. I mean, and, um, and so that's where it encouraged me. So I got a couple of the members of my sales team. I said, Hey guys, what do you think? So I thought it'd be a good sort of team building exercise for us to get together sort of casually. And, and also 
to be something that would help us to be able to be, become better um, in our craft as well. And it has, right? Because in the improv, you have no idea what's coming up and you just have to sort of be fluid to be able to roll through it, right? Now, with practice, and, I, and I'm still an infant in regards to the improv, my improv skills, right? Yet the more experienced people that have that, you know, greater amount of practice, they're, you know, it's, it's that practice time on task. And then, you know, you can just sort of without even thinking about it, you can just respond and just roll with it. And it's the same as going on a listing appointment where sometimes, oftentimes you have to just roll with it. Now, if you have the experience and if you know your scripts, then that goes back to the beginning of our conversation. Now I can listen to you. I can actively listen. I can ask adept questions. We can be in rapport because I don't ever have to worry about what I'm going to say. Then you add on to there the, the ability to be able to improv, which is just basically just rolling with anything that, that's thrown at you. Um, that's been relatively useful of a skill to learn. Yeah, I can't tell you how many times I've gone into a listing appointment and you've done all this research and you've prepared and you sit down and you quickly realize this is all, it's going out the window <laughs> and it doesn't go any anything like you had planned. Well, it doesn't mean it's not successful, but you've had to, you've had to just kind of shift gears and roll with it, right? Yeah. So. So listen, I, I really appreciate you coming on today. I don't know if there's, is there anything that we haven't discussed that's really something that you want to get out there? Uh, I appreciate the time to be able to speak with you today. And, um, you know, people are listening. They can go to www.therealestateevolution.com to be able to get a copy of the book. And it's only 10 bucks, right? You can get it on Amazon for 27. I'd rather you go to Amazon, right? That's cool with me. There you uh, go. That website will get it for a, for a discount for you. Awesome. And I will be doing that myself. You can visit Dan's website at greetingsvirginia.com or email him at dan at greetingsvirginia.com. Dan, thanks again. I really enjoyed it. I'd love to have you on again sometime. Good luck to you and uh, have a great day. All right. Thanks again to Dan Roshan and a special thanks to you for choosing to spend some of your time with me today. Please be sure to support this podcast by sharing it with your friends hitting that subscribe button on your favorite platform, and maybe even writing a short review. Also, head over to Facebook and like the show page, Putting the Real in Real Estate Podcast, where you can also watch as well as my YouTube channel, Glenn Hockersmith Realtor. Most importantly, give me a call if you or someone you know is thinking of buying or selling a home. I would love to serve you. Once again, thanks for listening. Have a great day, everyone.